Father, uh, tonight as we get into your word, we do pray, God, uh, that you would just open up our hearts. Thank you, God, for this guy we call Peter. Thank you for raising him up and that we can glean what he's speaking to the church there towards the end of the first century and things that they were facing, things they were gonna go through as believers and his encouragement to them, God, I thank you that that can be an encouragement for our hearts and for our situations, our personal situations, our, our country situations, our global situations. God, I thank you that, Lord, we have your word to instruct us, to guide us, and most importantly, God, to give us that, that ability to walk through things God, with you, that we can face them and not shrink back from them and not be overwhelmed by them. So I do pray that you would bless this time in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, once again, I, I just like to remind us, Peter's writing this and Peter's our hero, right? He's the guy that just always said what was you know, on his mind. He spoke things, he kind of was very outspoken and so we have that guy but right now he's writing to a group of Christians that are facing some intense persecution. Not just people yelling at them, they're facing you know, being beheaded, they're facing being sown in uh, uh, animal skins and fed to lions, they're facing being dipped in tar and lit on fire. They're facing that kind of persecution because sometimes I think we hear persecution and we think it's somebody yelling at us. These guys are facing some intense things. And I want us to pay attention to how Peter deals with that and the, if you will, the, the, the armor he gives them to fight those battles. And I think it's a lot different than what we sometimes think of in our day. And it's a lot different how he approaches the government and what's going on and how Christians are to respond to that and how we're to walk through those things. So listen, as we work through this, it's not just written to first century Christians, it's written to 21st century Christians. And it's things for us to say, okay man, here's the thing, I can face things in my life because I have Jesus. And if we remember that and we have him at the bottom line to walk through those things, he doesn't, I don't know if you guys noticed it, but God doesn't deliver us out of everything. There's things we have to walk through, and that's what Peter's gonna talk about. If you're doing the Bible reading, we're kind of in the middle of Job, and you know, I, I will never teach Job again, but, uh, but I like reading Job. The last time I taught Job, I got a flesh-eating fungus on my leg that tried to like eat my leg off, so we're not doing that again. I think God wanted me to use it for an illustration and you know, it's like, golly, can we do something else? <laughs> but when you read in Job, listen, and all that Job went through, and, and uh, you know, every time I read the book of Job, I'm always amazed at his heart and his attitude. So Peter kind of is, again, doing that same thing. So verse six, verse six starts out, in this you greatly rejoice. Now, now I, want, I want to just stop there because what is the in this, what is the this that he's talking about? I think the this he's talking about is verses three through five that he's just expressed to us how great our salvation is and this relationship we have with the Lord 
and how tremendous that is. So I want to read those and then get into this. So in verse 3, he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. You see what he's saying? Listen, saints, if we focus on what God has given us and what God has done for us, rather than our circumstance, we can have that rejoicing heart. I don't think the Bible ever really tells us that we need to have joy in suffering. But we can rejoice in suffering, not in the suffering. We're rejoicing in who we are in Christ. So he says, listen, in that, listen, in that we greatly rejoice. He says, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Now, some of your translations might have some of that worded a little bit differently, but I'm, I think it's important that he has that phrase in there, if need be. Have you ever gone through something and looked at it that, oh, I needed that in my life? Not that you liked it, not that you welcomed it, but all after you're through it, you're going, oh, okay. Now I know what God was doing. I found in my life, usually when, when bad things happen to me, I usually generally stop and ask God what he's doing, just out of curiosity. And he very rarely tells me. Like never once have I got, well, Pat, I'm trying to like, get you to figure something out and you're hard-headed and you won't listen to me, so we're gonna do it this way and then you'll pay attention. But listen, if need be, we need to stop and realize things that happen in our life, and I think the things that cause us the most pain and the most hurt, we need to stop and say, okay, God, what is going on? Why, why is this going on in my life? Why is this happening right now? And he may not tell us right then, but later on we can look back and go, oh, that was what was going on. That's what that was for. And listen, again, he says, he says, though, for a little while. Here's what I, and, and that's before the need be, but for a little while, here's what I know. This stuff's gonna end. He's just given us this glorious explanation of our eternal life. And then he goes, what you're going through now is just for a little while. Even if it's for 20 years, it's just for a little while because we have eternity to look forward to. And then, so then he does, then he says, listen, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. Notice we can rejoice in what? The fact that I'm saved, and I have a glorious relationship with the Lord, and I have a glorious salvation. But did you notice he says we can be grieved by trials? And when we're going through the trials, I think you gotta be a bit of a, maybe a masochist if you're going through a major trial and going, woohoo, yes. As the semi-truck is running over you, yes, I'm so happy. But you're grieved, right? Hey, we go through things that cause us tremendous grief. And here's what I love about Peter. He's not, listen, he's not ignoring that part. That part is the reality in your life. And those trials are grievous in some of them, more grievous than others. But 
I still rejoice in the fact that I'm saved. Here's what I love. Nothing, nobody, no way, no how can take away my salvation. Hallelujah. That's what he, and so I rejoice in that. And so listen, then he, he goes on, notice this is one long sentence. It's funny how the guys in the New Testament write these long sentences that go on and on and on. But listen, he says, you're grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So here's what he's saying. Our faith, our faith for us, not for God. God's not trying to figure out if our faith is genuine. He's letting us know if our faith is genuine. And hey, we go through trials, we go through testing, we go through things so that we can know, yes, my faith is solid, my faith is good. Charles Spurgeon said this, a little faith will take your soul to heaven, but great faith will bring heaven to your soul. Yes, yes. And we need to know a faith that can't be tested is no faith at all. You know, and it's always interesting to me because I believe, listen, I believe we need our strongest faith going through difficult times. When things are going well, I don't need a lot of faith, right? I just like, woo. But when things are difficult, I need faith. And so he says, listen, you have these things to prove your faith is genuine. And then he just talks about gold, right? And gold's a precious metal. Most of us understand that. I don't know if you understand some of the smelting process, but you know, now in our day and age, we have other ways to test and, and, and to make sure things are pure. But hey, and, there, and, and I love this illustration. Whenever he talks about, and Peter brings up pure gold a couple times, but what they're talking about is in their generation, when, when you wanted to get the pure gold, you would obviously smelt it with fire and you would get it and then it, you knew it was pure when you could see your face reflected in that gold. Okay, now it's good. Think about that. You think Jesus might turn the heat up in our lives a little bit? Turn that fire up a little bit till he can see his face reflected from us? That's genuine. Listen, that's what he's doing. And, and hey, even, even as a potter, if you've seen the pottery presentation stuff, when I would turn the heat up in the kiln, hey, I would turn the heat up. I'm not sure the pots really appreciated it at certain times. I'm sure if they could talk, they would be screaming and yelling, like, what are you doing, dude? And you turn it up hotter and hotter and hotter. And whose hand is, quote, on the thermostat? The potter's. Whose hand is bringing the fire in your life? It's the hand of God. And we need to understand that. And once again, then, listen, then we can walk through that because we know our God is in control and we know we can trust him. So listen, man, just like gold is refined and purified by fire, so our faith is refined and purified by fire. And listen, the hotter it gets, the more it proves how great our faith is. And think of, think of different times, think in, 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 in the history. Think of Abraham as he had to take his son up on that mountain. That was a test, right? And that was, hey, is your faith real or not? How about the three guys that went in a fiery furnace? 
That's one of my favorite. I love that story. Man, I think Daniel's incredible, but I think of those three guys, and I don't know about you, but I think, remember the government said you have to bow down and worship, and you're in this huge, huge field. There's thousands of people, and they say, okay, at the horn, everybody bows. Everybody goes down. Don't you know your body's going, you know? And you're like, I can't bow because I can't bow to another God. Then they get thrown. And I love the thing when Nebuchadnezzar's ready to throw him in the fire. It's one of my favorite parts of the Bible because he says, man, you're gonna die, right? He's kind of, and then he makes it seven times hotter, which is weird to me. Like if I wanted people to suffer, I would make it seven times less hotter. So they would slowly roast. You make it seven times hotter, it's like, and then they're gone, right? So, because I guess I'm evil. I'm thinking you want to slow roast those guys so they like really suffer. But, but remember that he says, and, and I love, they go, hey, nebby baby. I said, you can put us in the fire. And this is my paraphrase. But you need to know something. Either way, we win, right? You put us in the fire, you burn us up, we go to heaven, hallelujah. You put us in the fire, we survive, hallelujah. So either way, you turn that up as hot as you want or make it as cold as you want, we're going to win. And that should be our attitude, right? Again, testing our faith. And we can go through a whole bunch of people in the Bible, but that's what he's talking about. So listen, we rejoice in our, in our uh, salvation as we walk through these trials that are difficult and hard because we know something. We know that God is doing a work in our lives for our good, not for our destruction. And we get a hold of that and we hide that in our heart. And then he says, listen, I, I love at the end, he says, he says as we go through the fire, well, he's talking about the gold going through the fire. And he says, listen, that we may be found to the praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. That's the end of that, that sentence at the beginning of verse eight. So here's, here's the way I, I look at that and here's what I think he's saying. As we go through trials and we're proven, as we go through those, then when Jesus is revealed, we're gonna be full of praise, honor, and glory. Now, some that I was reading, and, and I'm not sure I agree with them, some saying, no, what's gonna happen is when we get to the other side, Jesus is going to give us praise, honor, and glory. I like, I find that a little weird. And I know it's written different ways in different translations, and I know some of these guys are Greek scholars, so they're kind of unpacking it that way. But I like the idea of when I get to the other side, not just the other side of a trial, to the other side. I'm gonna give God praise, honor, and glory. I'm not so sure he's gonna give me praise, honor, and glory. He's gonna, you know, well, I have my own idea of what he thinks about me, but listen, I'm gonna be rejoicing, right? Because I'm there. And he says, he says, listen, at the revelation, this is gonna happen, what? At the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, listen, now his mind is going, and I want us to think about that for a moment as we work through the rest of this verse and, and verse nine. His mind is going, and then he says this, he says, whom having not seen, you love. I've not seen Jesus. I know some people say they have, okay, I've not seen him. He hadn't shown up at my house. Hadn't shown up in my bedroom. Didn't show up when I was shaving. Hasn't been there. 
but I love him. I love him because he's been revealed to me through scripture. And so I, I have that heart that I love him. He goes, though you haven't seen him, you love him. I, even li- I just like the way that sounds. Now, he's gonna go on and explain that in a moment, but just meditate on that a little bit. Do you remember when Thomas had his whole issue with Jesus? And we well, had several. Remember his last one and you know, everybody got to see Jesus show up and Tommy didn't go to church that night. That's why you always go to church. <laughs> Tommy didn't go to church that night. Jesus showed up and he's like, oh. He goes, you know what? I won't believe until, remember he says the thing, do I put my finger in the holes, till I put my hand in his side? I have to believe and then the next night Jesus shows up, Tommy. Here I am, do your thing, right? And then Thomas goes, my Lord and my God. Hmm, I love that scene because people say Jesus never you know, claimed to be God. Well, he said, my Lord, my God, and Jesus didn't say, no, 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 no. Right, he accepted the praise, and then you remember what Jesus told him? Blessed are you, Tommy, because you've seen me and believe. But more blessed are those who have not seen and believed. He was talking about us, right? And so here, listen, Peter's like, and does it make you think Peter might have been in that upper room when all that was going down? And Peter goes, hey, blessed are those. He goes, listen, you've not seen him, but you love him. You have that relationship. And then even he goes on, though now, in verse eight, continuing, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory amen right that's why we gathered together we're full of joy and and rejoicing and then he says receiving the end of your faith the salvation of your souls so when Jesus is revealed is the time when we will be rejoicing with exceedingly joy right and he says that's when our faith will be finalized do you understand in heaven you're not going to need faith do you, do you understand? You, you know that? We're not going to need him. Why? He's going to be there. You're going to be in his presence. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says what? The famous thing. We walk by faith, not by sight. And so many, if you're like me, so many times we want to walk by sight and not by faith, right? I want to see this. I want to have evidence of this. I believe in Jesus Christ by faith, not by sight. I do things in my life by faith, not by sight, not because Jesus made, a, made it obvious, but I have to step out in faith. And I believe with all my heart that he puts things in front of us so we will take those steps of faith. And I remember Pastor Chuck Smith always called them ventures of faith. When we wanted to move the church into town from Hereford Road, and just praying through it and trying to figure things out and, and uh, how can we do it, what can we do? And, I, and I've mentioned several times, I would, I would like go to people who had buildings that they moved out of and I would just go ask them if they would give us their building. They always said no. And I've told you guys, and Robert Furrow would say, just stop, you're embarrassing me. And I go, this has nothing to do with you. This has everything to do with me. So stay in Tucson. I'll do my thing here. And then I would go to another building. Hey, can we have that building? No. And I just had this desire. And then 
And then that land over there opened up and we were having to make some decisions about it and, and there was a conference and, and I went to the conference and I wanted to just talk to Pastor Chuck about it. And so I'm praying, I said, you know, I don't like to be a groupie guy that gets in lines and groupie. So I said, you know what, Lord, I'd really like to talk to Chuck, so could you do something, make it happen? And Chuck got done speaking and came and sat down right next to me. I went, oh. <laughs> but part of it, I, don't, I didn't like talking to Chuck because he had these eyes that looked into your soul as you talked to him. And I knew my soul wasn't good. He was just like, and I'm going just, I want to talk to you, but I don't want to look at you. And I said, hey, Pastor Chuck, this, this opportunity is available for us. And, and I said, what do you think? And, and his advice was always so great. That was sarcasm. He goes, well, you know I like ventures of faith. That was his answer. All right, thank you. Quit looking in my soul. We'll move on now because I'm not asking you questions anymore. But it is that venture of faith. And it's good for us to step out. It's good for us to do things. And, and listen, man, do you understand that as we work that faith, again, as Spurgeon said, we can bring heaven to us. We don't have to just wait for pie in the sky. We can begin to build that relationship. So here's what Peter's saying. You guys are facing some intense persecution. And it's going to come. Listen, he doesn't say you need to do this about it. You need to move these mountains. You need to do this. You need to go here. Here's what he says. It's coming. You're going to have to deal with it. But don't forget who you are. And don't forget who you belong to. And you're gonna have to walk through that by faith, trusting God and trusting that he's still in charge. I love, listen, I love what he's saying because in our, in our world right now, hey, we're having a, there's some things going on. We gotta walk by faith. Doesn't mean, listen, I'm not sure we need to always be the people who, I gotta change this. Sometimes, listen, you're gonna go through something that you're gonna walk through. And here's what Peter's saying, walk through it. Walk through it. Own it. Walk with it. He doesn't say, listen, they're facing a government that was like the most atrocious government I think that ever existed. He didn't say change the government. He said walk through the trial. You're gonna have grievous trials and you need to know that. So then as he's thinking about that, listen, and again, he's thinking about the one you haven't seen and our salvation. Then verse 10, he says, of this salvation, the prophets in, uh, inquired and searched carefully with, uh, searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Here's what he's saying. We had men. And if you read your Bible, yeah, the prophets, right? They're prophesying about what's gonna happen. And most of them didn't even know what they were prophesying. We're gonna look at that in a moment. But he says, listen, they came and they told us about this grace that was coming. And they didn't even understand it. They didn't have to understand it. So why is he bringing that up when he's telling them to walk by faith and, and you're gonna go through these various trials, but you walk by faith. And listen, as he's doing that, here's what he's saying. He's saying to us, just as the prophets had to, by faith, speak the truth and speak what's going on, we have to do the same thing. And we're gonna walk through it, and it's gonna be okay, even though you may not understand at the time. Trust the Lord. 
Trust him. So listen, as he's saying that again, again, it kind of goes on with one of those run-on sentences. He says, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you in verse 11, searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating. So here's what he's saying. They were speaking, and I think it's interesting, who was leading them and guiding them? The spirit of Christ. Now, oftentimes, He's called the Holy Spirit. But I think it's interesting that, I was gonna say Paul, that Peter is letting them know that Jesus is eternal. The Spirit, this, this person, this second person of the Trinity. Oh, he became Jesus when he was born. But before that, he was the second person of the Trinity. He's always existed. He was the one guiding the prophets and having the prophets say what the prophets would say. And it, listen, men are speaking of, of a matter of time and indicating what was going on. And then he says, the spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating in the middle of verse 11 when, I'm, when he testified beforehand of the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Oh. Do you understand that the prophets were talking about a person, the Messiah? And when they would talk about the Messiah, they would often prophesy, there is one coming who is going to suffer. And then the very next part of their prophets, prophecy would be, but he's going to be glorified, right? And he's going to bring glory to the world. And then they would talk about this one who is going to die. Then they would talk about this one who's going to be king and rule over everything. And you've heard me say, when you look at, listen, when they were looking at it, they're looking at one one event, they're looking down, and let's say they're looking at two mountain peaks, and I use that illustration, two mountain peaks that you're looking like this, and they look like they're together, and you have the one about the suffering and the one about the conquering, and you think it's all one event. Then when you get close to mountain peaks, what happens? There's a huge valley in between. You know who the valley is? The church. The Bible tells us the church is a mystery. As a church, sometimes we think we're all that. We think, you know, that, that, listen, according to the prophets, according to the Old Testament, we shouldn't be here. We're not part of what God was doing. We're grafted in, is what Paul says. We are so blessed that Israel rejected the Messiah. I often tell people when we go to Israel, you should thank the Jews. Just tell them, thank you. Thank you for rejecting the Messiah. It'll freak them out a little bit. But thank you for rejecting the Messiah because you rejected the Messiah. We got grafted in. We get to be part of that. And I think I'm speaking, most of us are Gentiles in here. And uh, if you're Jewish, God bless you. Thank you. <laughs> but do you hear what he's saying? Listen, here's, here's what he's letting us know. The prophets had no idea what, you know, quote, what they were talking about other than they knew they were talking about the Messiah, they were, but they didn't know all the details that we see today. We have this church age that is a mystery according to the Old Testament. It's not part of the Old Testament. It's a mystery, and we're grafted in. And so here's what he's saying. 
They talked about the suffering and the glories, but they thought it was all one event. And here we are, right? So it's becoming more and more clear. And then, listen, I love this. To them it was revealed that, not to themselves, but to us they were ministering the things which have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. So, hey, he's letting us know something, man. He goes, you know what, we're getting, we're getting this information and now we understand why. Because God raised up men before us and even in our generation to tell us and explain this mystery this thing called the church and the church age. They were talking about it, but in some ways they had no clue. I don't want you to think that they were going around clueless, but listen, they, they didn't know about the church age. And so now it's being explained to us, and, and I love this idea. Listen, he says, they weren't ministering to their generation only, we could put. They were ministering to us. Amen. Don't you love sometimes reading the prophets? There's a whole section kind of in the back of your Old Testament called the minor prophets. You need to understand, it's not like there was the major league prophets and they were the big boys, and then there's the minor league prophets, and they don't count as much. No, it's major and minor because of length of writing, not importance or priority. Don't, I, I love reading through the minor prophets sometimes and just thinking about those guys, those guys had no clue what they were telling me, but they were telling me. They were ministering to me, and what a joy that is. And so Peter's letting us know, once again, in the midst of trials, in the midst of hardship, in the midst of tribulation, we need to know something. God is on his throne. God is working his plan. God has not quit. It's not like, listen, it's not like this pandemic hit the world and God went, oh my gosh, I did not see that coming. I don't know what to do. He's still on a throne. It's still his plan. And we need to understand just like they were walking through things, so he's letting them know that. And then, and then I love the idea, listen man, the gospel was preached to you by the Holy Spirit from heaven through individuals. If you're saved today, it's because the Holy Spirit used someone somewhere to bring the gospel truth to you and you understood it and you believed. Now, here's the part I like. Look at the very end of this. Things which angels desire to look into. Oh. I believe with all my heart the angels are watching and they're like so confused. It's not like the angels are watching to get saved. The saved angels are saved. They're, they're good angels, however we want to put it. And the bad angels don't got a chance. They're bad. So there's no changing of, it's not like they're watching out of curiosity of, oh, that's how you do it. They're watching out of curiosity like, for reals? And watching God work in us and I believe, listen, I believe they're amazed. It tells us in 2 Corinthians, or I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 3, Timothy chapter 2, that the angels are watching. Listen, this isn't the only place. Angels are watching us. And it's not like angels are watching us like, like you know, like you have your guardian angel, and I don't want to get into all that because, I mean, if I have a guardian angel, he's like so bummed up. <laughs> you guys are a mess. 
So anyway, but they're, they're not like watching over us. They're like watching us. And I believe, listen, I believe the angels are going, are you sure, Lord? Like, why would you do that? Him? Her? Like, I've been watching them for, you know, a few decades, and really? That one? You gonna work? I don't think so. How does that work? So listen, the angels, I think they're, I think they're amazed at what God is doing, and they're blown away by what God is doing. Do you know what that tells me? This salvation, this thing I call salvation, this relationship with Jesus Christ, has to be one of the most intriguing, astounding things in all of creation. It's gotta be. The angels are amazed by it. They're looking at it, trying to figure it out. The world sometimes looks at us like we're a little cracked, right? Because of this. And here's what Peter says. You guys are gonna be lit on fire. Not the way we're thinking, the real fire. You're gonna be fed to animals. You're gonna face some of the most hardest hardship any church age, in the church age, anybody has faced. And here's what you need to do to face it. Understand your salvation. Get a hold of that and begin to walk by faith and not by sight. And not to be caught up with this or this or this, but to focus on who you are in Christ and to hang on to that. And you need to understand something. The prophets of old didn't realize of this great thing that they were talking about, but they still talked about it. And the angels look at what God is doing in this thing called the church age, and they're like blown away by it. Shouldn't that cause something to stir within us and within our hearts? And once again, I don't, think, I don't think we're facing what that group was facing. Oh, we're facing things. And some of us are walking through more grievous trials than others. Some of us are in the middle of things. Some of us are on the other side of things. Some of us are looking at things coming our way. But here's what we need to know. No matter where we're at in that mix, our God is still in control. Hallelujah. Amen. And we can walk with him. Let's stand up and pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the challenge that we have here with, with Peter. And Lord, that he looks at the world and he looks at the church and God, you give him these words to put down on paper so the church would be strengthened and the church would honor and glorify you with being the church. And so Lord, I pray for myself, I pray for my brothers and sisters. That God, as we do this thing called life, that we would be people that we're more willing to walk by faith. Lord, we're willing 
to trust you in the midst of what's going on in our lives, in our world. And that we would know that, God, everything that happens to us doesn't happen by, ac- by, by accident, doesn't happen by coincidence, that you are working your plan even in our little lives and that we can trust you and understand that you want our faith refined for us, not for you, but for us, so that we can be strong and we can honor and glorify you. And I'm gonna ask you to stay in that place of prayer for a couple more minutes, and if you are here tonight, maybe somebody invited you, maybe you just came, and God spoke to your heart right now, you're understanding that you really don't know that salvation that we talked about. It's not this glorious thing, but it's just a thing. And tonight, God has convicted you and let you know you need this relationship in your life. Then tonight is the night to call on him. Right now, make that change. And hey, maybe you've even come to Calvary for for 10 years and right now you're saying, man, I am just a poser. And I want it to be real. And I know I'm a poser because I'm not trusting Jesus. So if if God is speaking to your heart, right now, call on his name. And he says you will be saved. And the way you call on his name is First and foremost, you gotta, you gotta understand you're a sinner. And I don't think that's hard. I think everybody can figure that out. The Bible says we've all sinned, so that makes you in the company of everybody. But I think we know we've sinned. That's not the major thing, but then you have to come to the place where you're sorry for your sin. You're sorry that you offended a holy God. And then you understand that because you've done that, here's what you've earned from God, his eternal wrath, separation from him. That's the Bible calls death. The wages of sin is death. When the Bible's talking about that, it's not talking about just physical death, it's talking about spiritual death. You're separated from God. That's all bad news, that's the gross news. The good news is Jesus Christ died on the cross He paid the penalty that I owed. He paid the penalty that you owed. He paid the penalty that any sinner owns. He took the wrath of God, the eternal wrath of God upon himself in a moment, in an instant of time. And now tonight he holds out for you this receipt that says, I paid your debt. Your debt is paid in full. And all you have to do is take that from him. That's what we mean by calling on his name. You need to accept that gift from him. It's called the gift of salvation. So if you wanna do that, I'm gonna say a prayer. You can say this prayer with me. You can say it out loud. You can say it silently. But it's gotta come from your heart. You gotta mean it sincerely. If you're backslidden, man, come home. Come back to Jesus. It's time. If you're here tonight, Man, you came for a reason, so come home, come back to Jesus, say this prayer with us. If you're watching online, you can say the prayer right in your home. You don't have to be in this building. You can say it right where you're at. Jesus, 
Tonight I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you, God. And tonight I'm asking you to forgive me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you tonight for your forgiveness. And right now, as sincerely as I know how, I'm asking you to come into my life and guide me. Jesus, come into my heart and change me. Tonight, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior.